What is up, everybody? It is Dr. Joe Camerata here with the Across the Continuum podcast. In order to take some time today, kind of explain a little bit of what I was talking about regarding exercise in the last podcast. If you haven't listened to that one, go ahead and listen. It's all about how we kind of structure evaluation with our Across the Continuum uh, mentorship, how we talk about the three different categories to kind of evaluate an athlete for writing a program, and then what those, or at least a you know, a superficial look at what the programming variables are. But I mentioned that in the last podcast that exercise is one of the most important things that you as a healthcare provider can do. And I really wanted to pull that apart just a little bit here because my goal is to kind of talk to folks who maybe don't see the importance of exercise as as robustly as they should, because it truly is a very important aspect of health uh, and being a healthcare provider and making sure that folks are hitting what are called the physical activity guideline minimums. Now, the physical activity guidelines for Americans is a like 200 page, maybe more document that's put out by the Department of Health and Human Services. And I think the last one was put out in 2018, maybe. And what they talk about in there is basically all the amazing benefits of exercise. And not only that, but they give a prescription and a minimum for exercise that they recommend every single American hit. And now the the cool part is that not only does the Department of Health put this out, but the World Health Organization puts out something similar. And so we kind of can extrapolate these recommendations to every single human being on the face of the planet, which is cool. Now, the the first thing that we need to talk about is uh, a couple of definitions. So the things that we're going to be focusing on today are aerobic exercise as well as muscle strengthening exercises. Now, muscle strengthening exercises, um, I'm going to give a paraphrase definition of what the physical activity guidelines say because I don't have it up in front of me. But basically, uh, exercises that are going to cause uh, some sort of external load on your body. Now, I know what you're thinking. What about gravity that imposes some sort of external load? Yes, I know. But let's just stick it to muscle strengthening as things that are, you know, kind of being applied to you externally. And maybe I should Maybe I should have a definition up from me, but I don't. Uh, you can think of it classically as, you know, lifting weights or uh, maybe doing body weight exercises, but things that are going to cause uh, some sort of external load to be applied to your body that you're going to have to work against. Now, the other one is aerobic. Definition for this is like a rhythmic repetition or re- repeated rhythmic motion of the limbs uh, over an extended period of time. We could think of walking, swimming, running, going up and down stairs, biking, those sorts of things. So when it comes to like the general recommendations, what we're going to do is we're going to hit on like adults, 18 to, I don't know, 100. And we'll talk about you know, elderly people after that. But the recommendations and the minimums that, that I always reference and I talk about are 150 to 300 minutes a week of moderate, or I'm sorry, uh, no, moderate intensity aerobic activity, which is defined as um, a metabolic equivalent of three to six. And again, it goes into what a metabolic equivalent is in the physical activity guidelines. And I'll go ahead and link those. uh, I'll go ahead and link that in the description below. But basically, um, a metabolic equivalent of three to six is like gardening, uh, taking the groceries in, going on a like like a uh, slow walk, and so 150 to 300 minutes a week of moderate intensity aerobic activity, or 75 to 150 minutes of vigorous intensity aerobic activity, and that's recommendation number one, the aerobic aspect. Now, vigorous activity is like you you think of like your steady state cardio, you know, getting on a bike, getting on a treadmill, uh, going for a brisk walk or a run. 
Now, it doesn't sound very vigorous, but these are what the metabolic equivalents are. And so a vigorous is going to be a metabolic equivalent of over six. Again, I don't really think that it's important to get caught up in the specifics of the metabolic equivalents. Um, they really don't hit on it a ton in the physical activity guidelines, but let's just think of like formal aerobic exercise as a, a good way to know that you're going to hit vigorous intensity exercise. So that's 75 to 150 minutes per week of that. Now, an easier way to break that down is going to be 25 minutes three times a week or a little bit less more frequently. And then we get into the other half, which is two or more days of muscle strength and activity to all major muscle groups. Now, all major muscle groups being the shoulders, the hips, the knees, you know, the elbows, maybe your enconius or something like that. But basically, we want to try to do muscle strengthening activities to all muscle groups, all major muscle groups, two or more days a week. And that's it. Those are the physical activity guidelines, and those are the absolute bare minimums that the Department of Health, the World Health Organization, the CDC are recommending for everybody on the planet to do to reap the minimum amount of benefits that you can get. Now, it's not to say that you can't do less than that. You can do less than that, and there's really no minimum effective dose of exercise. Any of it's going to be good, but to really get a robust uh, positive effect from exercise, we want folks doing those minimums. And I'm going to say them one more time, 150 to 300 minutes a week of moderate intensity aerobic activity or 75 to 150 minutes a week of vigorous intensity aerobic activity and two or more days of muscle strengthening uh, exercises across all major muscle groups. Now, the benefits that come out of this basically are like a silver bullet of health. Okay, I don't. I know that the, there's a saying: uh, if it if it claims to fix everything, it probably fixes nothing. Or if it if it uh, helps everything, it probably helps nothing. I know that with like passive modalities and other things like medicine and stuff like that. But exercise seems to really benefit just about everything. I mean, it, uh, it it helps to combat osteopenia, you know, decrease in bone density as we age. It helps to decrease sarcopenia, decrease in muscle fiber uh, size and, and amount. It helps to decrease dynopenia, which is a decrease in ability to produce force. Uh, it helps with mental health. It helps with uh, cardiovascular health. Quality of life goes up. Disability goes down. Uh, it, it really is this kind of encompassing thing. And the, the funny part is I, I kind of say that there's no like net negative or there's no net neutral when it comes to not exercising, meaning that if you're not hitting those minimums, you're actually opening yourself up to um, an increase in morbidity and mortality, comorbidity secondary to uh, being sedentary, and just like negative decline overall. And so what we want to do is make sure that we understand that if you, as a clinician, if your patients as patients as people aren't hitting these minimums, it's not like they're just fine. It's not like they're just cruising along. You know, they're going to be okay. It's it's kind of like this thing that we don't really have to do, this exercise, you know, this fancy new thing. It's, it's literally we can say, we can take the folks that are on your caseload who aren't hitting these minimums and say they're probably worse off than they would be if they were hitting them. And not only that, the longer that they are sedentary for, which means that they're not hitting these minimums, the the more at risk they're going to be for comorbidities that we associate with being sedentary. Diabetes, obesity, uh, cardiovascular disease, stuff like that, frailty. And so when, when I say that exercise 
or physical activity, hitting these minimums is going to be one of the most important things that, that we can do. What I was saying is that we should be putting this thing that if we withhold it from people or if they're not doing it, that they're going to get worse, we should put that before the other things that we're going to be doing that are either going to detract from getting them to those minimums or that are really a net neutral, right? Where if we're not giving them massage, if we're not giving them ice, if we're not giving them cupping or dry needling or, or what have you, it's not like they're going to, their health is going to decline, right? And so one thing that that I really like, and you know, Derek Miles with Barbell Medicine said this, and, and I've kind of always hung on to it, was that we should really not do anything specific until we get our patients to hitting and maintaining these physical activity guidelines for at least some sort of period of time. And then see kind of what's hanging out after that, if they still have symptoms, if they still have aches and pains, if they still have XYZ going on. Right. And of course, this is a, you know, an umbrella statement. And I realize that it doesn't apply to every single situation. But if we look back at the physical activity guidelines, they have a recommendation for everything that you can think of, right? From children to adolescents, to adults, to the aging population and the geriatric population, as well as fo those folks with disabilities. And so the folks with disabilities, the recommendation is get as close as you can, right? And, I, and it seems like the widespread recommendation for really everybody is get as close as you can, if not hitting the minimums and then exceeding those minimums. And so when, when we look at our own practice, if we aren't being exercised forward, I could make an argument that we're actually doing a disservice to the patient, right? If we have somebody who, you know, whether they are hitting the minimums before or not, if we're not making sure that we're doing everything that we can to facilitate actively the minimums that they need to hit to be healthy, to promote health, that we're not doing our job as healthcare providers. Because the thing is that I think the last numbers that I looked at was 18% of the American population were hitting the minimums right? Which is bananas. And not even that, it's, it's that a lot of healthcare providers don't even know what the minimums are. And it's very likely that this is the first time that you're hearing about the physical activity guidelines and what the minimums are. And so what I want to do is I want to just say, we need to be at the forefront of pushing these people towards physical activity because we're at a unique position as, you know, musculoskeletal rehab professionals are in a unique position where we're not like really in the really bad off population where folks are hooked up to machines or they, you know, they can't do this because of some cardiac issue or they, you know, they have a swan gans catheter, you know, we're not in that population where we're for the most part, you know, I know that there's, you know, inpatient physical therapists and, and neuro and, and, and all that stuff. I'm very aware of that home health, but for the majority of physical therapists for musculoskeletal health providers, we do have the ability to really make this exercise and physical activity like a mainstay of rehab, right? And we know that they're going to benefit from exercise. And if we can get them to a point where they're regularly exercising and regularly hitting those physical activity minimums, we know that their quality of life is going to go up, that they're going to feel better, that they're going to be sleeping better, their mental health is probably going to be in a better position that they're, you know, going to probably tolerate uh, more stressors because they'll be, have adapted to those stressors. They're not going to be as sensitized 
to a symptomatic presentation. And so it's almost like when I see folks that pull patients out of physical activity to do these other things in an attempt to make them feel better to get them back to physical activity, yes, there's a time and place for that, but it's very rare that we should be pulling them out 100%. What we should be doing is taking as few steps away from what they're currently doing as possible. And the hope is that what they're currently doing is exceeding the physical activity guideline minimums. And so if we have somebody who isn't able to, let's say, I don't know, use both of their arms, we can still hit those minimums, right? Because there's no stipulation. Well, a little bit, as I say that there's, there's really no stipulation in there about the specifics of the exercise, about what mode it has to be about, you know, when I say that I go back on this because, you know, all major muscle groups, but we can still say, let's get two or, or more days a week of leg day. Right. And we can, we can be like, all right, we'll put this little clarifier in there. But I think you get what I'm saying is that we can still, even if somebody can't use their arms and I've, I've coached people like this before where they don't have the ability to use their arms. They don't have the ability to use half their body and we're still being as active as possible. And there's just this like intrinsic value to becoming in better shape to getting stronger and to seeing that despite being in this scenario where I have some sort of symptom, some sort of injury, some sort of something going on, I can still train. I can still exercise. I can still be physically active to a moderate or a high intensity and I'm okay. And so to, to bring it all the way back to the front, when I say that if you're not making exercise like the thing to do for your patients, I truly feel that that is an inappropriate way to go about being a healthcare provider. And if there's no plan to immediately get them to a point where they can get as close as possible to those minimums, then I think that we need to rethink what is going on here. And this is like a big message within our six-week mentorship, right? Is that the physical activity guidelines and exercise is what we're wrapping our healthcare around, is what we're wrapping our practice around. You know, we're, we're learning how to do motivational interviewing so that we can figure out what the goals are because everybody's got a goal unless, you know, some psychopath. Everybody's got a goal they're trying to reach. And as we learn that goal, we can then create a program that can get them towards that. You know, we're learning how to write a periodized program. What are the training variables? What are the adaptation models that we're adhering to? How do we create uh, a good environment for training around pain and injury? What does recovery mean? What does that even look like? How do we modify the lifts? And, you know, what are the steps to creating behavior change? And so the goal of our six-week mentorship of the clinical coach challenge is to create clinicians who can see the light, really, see the benefit and the draw and the uh, positive aspect and the negative aspect of making or not making exercise a mainstay of your rehab plan of care. And so that, I just wanted to kind of pull that apart. If, again, if you haven't listened to the one from last week, go ahead and listen to that one. But this is, this is the, the soapbox, the soapbox that I'll probably stay on forever. I'm definitely ready to die on this hill because I've seen the effects of 
when people don't hit these minimums for an extended period of time, and I and I don't want to see that anymore. So um, go ahead and uh, I'll go ahead and link the physical activity guidelines down below. Um, if you want to follow us on Instagram, it's at a crossing continuum. I'll go and put everything in the link below or in the uh, in the description below. And uh, yeah, that's all I got. Thanks.